Hi, I'm Nick from the St. Paul Filmcast. The Minneapolis-St. Paul Film Society is announcing the complete lineup and special guests for the 7th annual Cine Latino Film Festival. It's being held November 1st through the 7th at the St. Anthony Main Theater. Cine Latino features a tapestry of award-winning narrative and documentary films from across the globe and from some of the world's most acclaimed and upcoming Spanish and Portuguese language filmmakers. On opening night of Cine Latino on November 1st, it will showcase films from Spain, Colombia, and Mexico with a special guest of Mexican director Ruth Zox Banani. Closing night will feature on November, on November 7th, Children of Maria, from director Wagner Mora, who is yet to be able to show his film in his native country of Brazil. The Minneapolis Film Society says check out their website, mspfilm.org, to get tickets and to see the full schedule. Order your tickets today and hope to see you at the Cena Latino Film Festival. Hi, I'm Nick from the St. Paul Filmcast. Previous guests and friends of the show, casting director Ellie Abrams and film director Jason P. Schumacher, are very excited to present their co-taught whole picture class. If you're interested and very serious about becoming an actor on film, this is the class for you. It will begin December at Up Top Films in Minneapolis. With whole picture class, you'll be getting casting, audition process, script breakdowns, on-set etiquette and terms, receiving direction, your job as an actor, do's and don'ts, what happens in post-production, reels, promos, and of course, networking. This is a great opportunity that you can't pass. If you're serious of becoming an actor on film, this is the class for you. How do you reach out to them is the link provided below in the information. Contact Ellie with her email, ellie at m-n-e-l-a dot n-n-t. That's ellie at m-n-e-l-a dot n-n-t. If you're serious about becoming an actor on film, sign up for the whole picture class today. All right. So, okay, we're going to we'll go ahead and we're live. Not live, live, but we're, we're recording. So dedication time. The guests get to dedicate it. Uh, Robert is first. He's already got one in mind. So, Robert, what'd you like to dedicate this episode? Sure, I'd to? like to dedicate it to uh, to my parents, to my mom and dad. I wouldn't be here without them, obviously. But yeah. they took me to my very first uh, horror film when I was about four years old. And uh, nice parents, <laughs> I like <laughs> I it. I yes. wouldn't be the same person without that night. So, uh, yeah, right. to mom and dad. Wonderful. All right, Carlos. Do you? We've done this before, but uh, do you have another one in mind you'd like to dedicate? Yeah, and uh, dedicate it to my uh, my son and my. Uh, my wife and also to my uh, my brothers and sisters and my dad who's going through some illnesses right now but he's doing better and oh. my mom good well best wishes to your dad thank you guys thank you become so normal all right we're back with um carlos and robert carlos is a return guest thanks for coming back carlos and this is the first time for robert how you doing robert I'm doing good thanks for having me um you guys are doing post-production you just did a film together um and now you didn't post and stuff like that uh robert did the special effects and the makeup am i right or just special uh, practical effects? makeup effects sure yeah okay um, so it's called practical right yeah yeah 
and I'm going to hold on one second. Fear, I'm going to so practical makeup so what's the difference between if listeners didn't really know they like movies what's like regular makeup to practical makeup sure so vfx uh, visual effects is more uh cg computer generated uh effects okay um uh and then practical effects uh is sort of what i do that's more like the rubber monsters the 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 fake blood um that kind of thing the the, the jelly and all that stuff absolutely yeah. absolutely um and and uh you know nothing wrong with either i i, I love uh practical effects i love rubber monsters uh you know yeah. i wouldn't uh i wouldn't be uh here without those 80s rubber monster movies that inspired me but yeah. uh i i really think the uh the future is in, sort of in the marriage of both i i, I think the best effects these days is is a practical with, with digital augmentation yeah so how did you come about with like the training and schooling of or you just started doing it yourself when you're a kid or? i did i did uh i got kicked out of school a couple of times for putting uh, <laughs> pencils through my hand and uh you know i went through all of that but yeah. uh, no my i have a, a kind of a weird background my degree is in oil, in oil painting i have a, a, a yeah, like fine arts sure yeah a bfa yeah. a fine art degree um and uh, I ended up uh, uh, on a movie set uh, uh, many years ago. It's, this is what I've always wanted to do and sort of worked my way uh, um, up. I started out as a, an assistant cameraman, actually, and uh, worked my way over to effects. And I've been doing that ever since. Um, so you went to fine arts for schooling and mm -hmm. then for film training, you just went to film. Yeah, yeah. And that's one way to do it. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, sometimes I look back and think maybe I should have, uh, you know, done it like more traditional way. But uh you know, if I could give any advice to anybody, it's just get on a set any way you can and you'll learn. I told, I tell a lot of my, the younger people that I always grow around to is, you know, my, my favorite saying to them is you hang around a barbershop long enough, you're going to get a haircut. <laughs> I like that. That's good. <laughs> you know, if you hang out on a film set long enough, you're going to get a job. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So just go. Right. Yeah. Any way you can. Yeah. So, and we, and the dedication, uh, you talked about your parents, do they still like horror movies? Uh, <laughs> I think I kind of ruined it for them. <laughs> uh, no, they. Uh, I, I saw an American Werewolf in London when I was four years old. Uh, yeah. It was playing at a drive-in in New Hampshire, and I begged my father uh, to take me. I just wanted to hang out with Dad, you know. Yeah. So uh, I think against his better judgment, he did. Uh, he took uh, my mother, uh, my little brother, who passed out immediately, so he saw none of it. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we went to see an American Werewolf in London at the drive-in, and I was okay, because a lot of it's comedy in, in the beginning. It's, it's a lot of comedy, yeah. It's uh, with John, John Landis. Yeah, yeah almost yeah. John Landis, almost yeah. a buddy comedy. This was in 19, uh, God, 1981 uh, yeah. when that came out. So uh, my father was super excited to see it, and you know, everybody was, was buzzing about the movie, and... Um, I was fine until a very particular scene that, I, if I'm being honest, I, I, have, I still have a little bit of trouble watching it today. You know the scene where he has the dream and wakes up and you think the dream is over and the nurse comes in and he opens his eyes and he has the yellow contacts and the teeth and he's, yes. yeah. yeah. A very a jump scare, but just yeah. a terrifying thing for a, for a child to see. <laughs> so when that happens, I lose it. I mean, I lost it and uh, started screaming and put a blanket over my head and just was wailing in the backseat of that station wagon. And uh, my parents finally, finally, finally got me to calm down. And uh, they ended up turning me around and facing me towards the other drive-in screen, because back then there'd be multiple movies playing. 
Um, yeah. And uh, believe it or not, the other movie that was playing was Porky's uh, that night. I love, I love this. <laughs> Either it's terrify them or just traumatize them. Right. So they turned me around and it was like, oh, movies. I can yeah, watch it. I like that. <laughs> The scene where they're looking through the the people, people right, right. Yeah. Well, we, we we talked about that a lot of times in like uh, film theory and you're doing the classes that like horror is a substitute for sex, yes, right? Very Which is kind of so. comical yeah. that uh, the most stingiest conservative parents were like, "Well, I'm taking my date. And we're going to go see Scream 3. Yeah, which is fine. Yeah. But if you say we're going to say Porky's, which is no horror violence, wait a minute, hold on a second. Mm-hmm. You get- <laughs> it's so yeah. funny. I think about like, that often. I think about what I do now and. Uh, I, I do a lot of work with a, a company called Full Moon Features, and they were responsible yeah. for Puppet Master uh, and Ghoulies, and uh, you know a lot of big uh, films in the in the eighties and, and early nineties. Um, but I watch those movies, and I'm like the horror and the boobies, and the horror and the boobies, and it's like, man, it all goes back to that night, that one night, <laughs> that one night, <laughs> right, right. You got, you got your the horror there. and uh, yeah. and uh, the boobies. But no, yeah, they they, uh, they didn't uh, they didn't change the uh, you know back then they you put the the um, the speaker from the movie you wanted to watch in your car. You just faced right. whatever screen you wanted to watch and you put the drive-in speaker in the car. Yes. So they didn't change the speaker. That's so they, right. they tried to finish an American Werewolf in London. So every time that werewolf came back and every time I heard that Cure how, it. I lost it. So wow. they eventually had to take me home. I just couldn't, uh, I couldn't calm down. And to this day, I don't think my father and I have ever gone out to the movies again like every time i've ever said you know dad let's let's go see avatar let's go see they're making a sequel to an american world for london let's, let's go, go he's like it. do you know what happened the last time do you know how you ruined this for me it's almost 40 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> he's never let me forget it <laughs> well carlos i mean you have a son would you i mean were you gonna take him to horror movies i like so i see your movies for me, I would I would probably since mine are well the ones that are like PG rated, yeah, PG from the nineteen eighties rated, which would be PG thirteen now. Um, I would probably start him out like on like the Monster Squad, something light that's scary, but then also has some lightheartedness. Yes, you're right. Yeah, and then gradually get him because from the get go, my brothers, well, my sister worked at a video store, and uh, this was like in the early nineties. Yeah. She was in high school. Her best friend's parents owned a video, local video store, like a premium yeah. video. And I, she always brought back movies or I could go in there and rent any movie I wanted. And there was like no lease. And my parents, you know, worked days and nights and they weren't like monitoring what the hell we were watching. So I was just like a kid in the, literally like a kid in a, in a candy store and I could just go in there and grab any horror movie I could want. And then sometimes my brothers and sisters would get on horror movie kicks and they would bring home like Hellraiser. I mean, who would let their five or six year old brother watch Hellraiser? Right. The first one. And then yeah. I was like, there's another one? Let me watch that one. Then I, I rented part two and I watched it. And then I watched uh, all the Nightmare on Elm Streets and then the Scream movies. Oh, and I, 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 was, I just got so involved in horror movies that I. I didn't get desensitized, but I got like bombarded, bombarded like such. Yeah, exactly. But do you feel like do you feel that it shaped you and 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 sort of uh, dictated you know what you'd become later in life because you were exposed and 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 not a negative way. No. I just think yeah. of it like the, I wouldn't be the same guy if I wasn't. Uh, yeah, I totally. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. That it, it shaped who I am. Like it's kind of hard to scare me. I mean, of course, if you will go watch like a like any type of uh, jump scare movie, like. Oh, uh, let me just get this off my chest. When I went to San Diego for a vacation after shooting yeah, a movie, sure. the, they returned. Uh, I watched The Curse of La Llorona, 
and I was gritting my teeth in like, <laughs> like disgust and then like this movie I just wanted to punch a wall but there was no wall since if I punched the wall we'd all die anyway yeah. um, that movie just was so dumb in terms of like all the whole movie was is basically set up jump scare set up jump scare mm. set up jump scare I'm like, that's too this much this movie was dumb like I felt like that scene from uh was it Billy Madison? Everybody now in this room is dumber. Yeah, for he, he felt dumber. I felt dumber watching that movie because yeah. I'm like, yeah, it, it makes you jump, but then the, the plot of the movie was just horrendous. That's oh, a bummer. I mean, they, and I trust me, me being a Mexican American, I know what La Llorona is, and it's nothing like that. Like, no. They basically bastardized it into making it into like a schlocky go make a lot of money because I know that it's what in the Conjuring universe with the nun. I know those two are just like yeah garbage. And then you got like the Conjuring movies, which are way better. And I'm like, you guys couldn't even take the time to even get a Mexican American. I don't even the guy. I don't think I think he's like a Portuguese descent or, or something. But he's not. He, for he's them, it was close enough, yeah, right? That, yeah, for them, it was close enough. <laughs> and they got Linda Cardellini, who's not even Hispanic, and she's yeah. like, I'm like, come on, guys. It's like, you guys just cooked this up together. Just I didn't to, know just she was in that. She I was. was like, uh, she was Velma in Scooby Doo. Yeah, 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 that's how I knew her. Nothing wrong with that. I was like, but, but going back to that, it's like, yeah, going to, it did shape me in the sense that I do, it takes a lot to scare me, but I also like the darkness. I like uh, what, it basically it goes down into like our humanity. And it's just like, we are all capable of the yin and the yang, the darkness and the goodness. And with that, in terms of my films, it's like, I like to play in that realm just because I think it's, it's, it's more interesting to, you know, like how, like, like we were talking earlier about the Dark Knight, uh, like, Every prep time, yeah, yeah. yeah we, we were talking about how people like the Joker because he's dark, or even the new Joker with Joaquin Phoenix gets dark, but it's more interesting to play right. in that area. You know, I was talking about it with uh, my my friend Kyle, and we conveyed that probably I think this is the new trend that, that we've done saturated such with superheroes that I think mm-hmm. now we're going to probably concentrate on the bad guys yes. and did have full, real pers- uh, dominant of the the bad guys and then peppered it with the superhero coming in at the last minute to correct yeah, sure. things. But I think it's far more interesting. If you look at everybody's favorite movies, it has a really good bad guy into it. That's yeah. true. Oh, yeah. Did yeah. you guys watch The Boys on uh, on uh, Amazon? I have banked them because I really want to, it's a series. Yes. So I really want to watch a lot of more new release movies because to, critis- to you know, critique them at the end of the month. So when I get done with all the movies of 2019, I'll probably in January where I take a break while I watch it. Yes. I would I would highly, I think you'll like it. I, I yeah. really can't say enough uh, good things about it. I did a little bit of work uh, um, I, for an executive producer of a show called Banshee that was on Cinemax many years ago. Okay. And uh, the star of that show was Anthony Starr and he stars in The Boys. And oh, I, I, I uh, Homelander. Homelander. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't know anything about it uh, other than somebody I once knew is on this show, but my goodness, what it's a kind of exactly what you were saying about that. Uh, we're oversaturated with the superhero story. Let's, let's, let's tell a different type of story. So, right. cause I think a mixture of bad guy, but like really villain would be like somebody like Dr. Doom would be a fascinating, Yes. I mean, he runs his own country. For it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that sounds uh, and then a little can, too close can, to home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a bad guy that runs his own country. Yeah. So you guys, uh, if you want to talk about it, we just wrapped up the movie. So let's talk about it a little bit. Sure. Then, um, and I'll ask Carlos, for, what's the, the name of the movie is? Uh, they Return. They Return. And y- you were co-writer. Somebody You were, wrote this with somebody? Yes, or? my uh 
creative partner uh, co-writer is uh, Vince Frommany. Uh, yeah. He's, uh, we met uh, doing the news back almost we're going almost on two decades now together <laughs> um, wow we met each other he was our my news weekend news producer and i was just a weekend uh video photographer and i was just doing this for like side job from you know for college yeah we met he did some short films he's a really good writer i was just a really good story guy and then we just collaborated on some stuff and started working on some stuff and i did some uh, i did my thesis film with him he co-wrote it and then that was just like the beginning of our relationship and we just started uh, obviously becoming not just uh, par- uh, creative partners but we're like uh, he's one of my best friends and uh, we've done a handful of short films together and I think that's how it's going to keep working on until we get to you know hopefully the, the major leagues <laughs> I think well anybody realizes movies are always a group project yes. and you have to find people to work with nobody ever makes a movie solely by themselves oh 100% so you have to find good people to work with and I think Carlos you found really good yes. people to work yeah. with yeah yes. um, so with the uh, with the script all in the hand um, how did uh, Robert get involved actually uh, I'll, I'll, I'll start it off and I'll, I'll, <laughs> it's I'll, kind I'll, of an interesting <laughs> it's an interesting story yeah, yeah. alright alright that's why we're here yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll wind up the, the, the pitch and then I'll throw it to you yeah you set this. up the pieces here we go, <laughs> here we go. so uh, when uh, Ryan Shadley uh, he's a good friend of ours yeah he was uh, just on the previous yeah, a friend of the podcast yeah. too yeah. Yeah. yeah and he was originally supposed to be this because I started me and him started talking about this for a while back and um but then he told me he had uh, prior comments that could pop up, which were a couple feature films that were in the books. I'm like, dude, it's like I totally understand. It's like my shitty little short film and compared to like, a, f- a, a full film. feature film. Yeah, yeah, he was just on there talking about yeah. it. Yeah. And I was just like, uh, it's, it's like I, I totally understand. But he's like, I'm not going to leave you hanging. It's like, it's like I, I can help you out no matter what because that's how Ryan is. He's just a big giant teddy bear and I know you look from a distance he looks just like a menacing you know no. like a villain with the goatee and strong yeah. uh, yeah. and he has a heart of gold yeah. no he's yeah he's the sweetest yeah. the sweetest yeah. and uh well it came that time a couple months before we started uh, we started getting into pre-production and then uh, he got uh word that he was gonna get uh the feature film and I was like oh crap and then I was like oh <laughs> Uh, he's like, don't worry. He goes like, I, 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 I got to do some stuff, and then uh, I'll get back to you. And then I started looking around, didn't find anybody. And then he hit me up, and he goes, dude, come to my shop. This is like, uh, I think I got somebody for you. Is that really what happened? Yeah. I didn't know this part of the story. <laughs> yeah. I remember that night, but that's not the way I would have told it. That's very interesting. Yeah, yeah, is this yeah. too like when Harry met Sally for yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right? Okay, you're cut. not no. telling it right. Like, All right, I'll, cut now, Robert. You're <laughs> telling. Yeah, there you go. No, I met. Uh, I I came to town uh, to work on a on a on a full moon feature that's uh, shooting at the end of November. And uh, th- that project is called Femalian. And, um, From Alien. Femalian, like female plus oh, alien. Femalian. Femalian. Yes, Femalian. Uh, cosmic Crush. So um, I, was, I was in town uh, working on that. I got invited to uh, Anthony Cousins, uh, who uh, is a friend of the podcast too, I think. Yes, yeah. Um, he was uh, shooting a, um, a film called Whenever I Go to the Dairy Queen, uh, My Effing Face Explodes. Yes, so I, was I ended on set up with that. Yeah, yeah, so I visited I visited him uh, on set, ended up meeting Ryan uh, and, and hit it off with him uh, immediately. 
uh, he mentioned that I could come see his effects shop. He, he he found out that I was an effects guy. You got to see the effects shop that yeah. Ryan and Ryan has. It's fast. Oh, yeah. amazing, amazing! Yeah. But it turned. It was supposed to just be a hey, come you know, come see what we're doing here in uh, in Minneapolis, yeah. and uh, it, it turned into hey, man, do you wanna do you wanna work? And it was like yes, I kind of do. <laughs> um, so I are we allowed to talk about this? Are we allowed to talk about the how much did Ryan yeah tell yeah. you about the movie that he was working on? Uh, um, every time no the the feature the, feature the big the oh big... wrong turn oh okay, okay yes you yeah. said it not me so he said it on his the episode okay, he was, okay good, good all good. he said it was is yeah. i'm doing I'm, I'm part of that i yeah. just didn't know how much we were allowed to talk about that <laughs> yeah so i ended up uh on on the movie as well uh assisting ryan uh he just was wow, really it, yeah uh he was trying to he was trying to get that done uh in time to head out to where they were shooting and so for about two i don't know two and a half weeks we would probably work together from man like maybe 10 in the morning till 2 a.m that's uh, what he said a lot of time in like in your own hotel room just kind of oh sure when he was on set but i mean in that shop we we just uh and we literally had just met and just ended up working together all day every day uh trying to get ready you know so he could go off on on the set and shoot this thing so we were in pre-production uh but i was assisting him uh in his effects shop and uh one night and i'll never forget it you know (laughs) carlos came walking in and so i don't know about the part where he talked to ryan and ryan said i have this guy come to my shop (laughs) that part i didn't know but no i remember you coming in and i i remember ryan saying i'm i'm sorry but i will not be in town when you're when you're uh short is, is shooting and then you said, you know, do you have somebody else you can recommend? And Ryan just, you know, pointed right pointed, at you. Yeah, yeah, pointed to me in the in the corner, and that's that's literally how we met. And uh, nice, yeah, nice, and definitely with the idea that you know this is a horror movie. And Anthony and Ryan were talking about when you do horror movies. A lot of times, it's always the afterthought. And I think with Carlos, it's very upfront. We'll create the monster of what we'd have to look, right? That's yeah. something you, you regard as almost like a priority, especially when you have special effects. Yes, exactly. Oh, his, yeah. your vision from the beginning was great, I think. Uh, when I when I first met, I, one of the first things you told me, you said, well, I remember, and I'll never forget this either. You said, oh, let me give you the cliff notes on my movie. And you told me what it was about. But then you said, um, and for this you know monster that i want you to make i want it to be um you said uh alien meets hellraiser and uh when he said that i was like i'm in i didn't have to hear anything else <laughs> that's all i needed to hear and i think we might have pulled that off actually yeah. i have uh, i was oh, looking yeah. at some rough uh, rough footage of the of the film and my god it, it's looking good oh yes i mean with the actors i mean i think we got some of the best like, un, i mean actors here in in, in the area and, yeah. Uh, that's what I think what, what pulled it off. My my whole goal was to get better in every short film that I've done, and this yeah. one I think in terms of the, the acting and the aesthetic and and everything, it just took it up to the next level in terms of uh, getting better. And what I noticed too with with, uh, with me and him getting uh, to know each other is like we like I said we were on the same page from the get go. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's so. Been- uh, how would you go about with your construct? Do you when you draw it out? Do you yeah, I did a little bit of sketching. Um, you know, uh, I like to watch a lot of uh, horror films. If uh, you know, Carlos and I were really vibing on the same wavelength. I think Wonderful. with this, as far as uh, you know, what the aesthetic should be. And like I said, when he said Alien versus Hellraiser, I kind of already had an idea of direction I wanted to go. But in uh, all things art, you know, it never turns out exactly what you had uh, in your head. I always think there's like 
too much distance between uh, the brain and the fingertips. There's, you know what I mean? Like you, yes. you, you have it pictured yeah. one way, but then by the time you actually get to sculpting, something uh, something else happens. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. It, no, I, when I started my comic book and I had an idea of what it looks like and you start drawing it out and you're like, wait, wait, this is what it's going to look like? Oh, well, okay. Yeah. Let's, go. <laughs> Let's go with that. <laughs> All right, we'll go with that. Right, yeah. But it's a, it's kind of a magical thing that happens sometimes and it just sort of yeah. uh, took shape and I uh, I did some test uh, footage and sent that off to Carlos and he had some notes for me and uh, we made some corrections so uh, I think we were ready on the day and uh, I, I, I'm, I'm really proud of it. Uh, you know, I hope other people when they get the chance to see it uh, like it. I, I don't think it goes too far and shows too much. Uh, we were talking about American Wolf in London earlier. Like, my God, talk about just giving it all away. Like, they showed that, <laughs> that werewolf <laughs> transformation in broad daylight. And it's like, oh, God, I wish we could all be that good. But no, sometimes I think I think these movies do do go too far. You were talking about some of, like, the Blumhouse films and things like that as far as, like, man, if you just hadn't shown the the monster, yeah. maybe this would have been a lot scarier. So or we, they show it too early. Yeah. Then, or, you, then yeah. you have to go super gaudy to for, keep the, yeah. Yeah, for me, it's like... I, I love Blumhouse. Like, they're hit and miss with me. Um, some of their TV stuff, like I saw one that was called. Uh, it was one of their was a Into the Dark series. Uh, it's called, called Culture Shock. It's one from uh, Mexican uh, Mexican Canadian uh, director Gigi Sal Guerrero, and that was really good. It, it had like you know political things about the border and and stuff like that. I totally recommend it. if you guys are gonna watch that. Watch that one. Okay. And uh, uh, what I was. Uh, talking about in in terms of uh the 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 movies that i uh sorry, sorry i lost my train of thought no no, no that's okay um we can get this part out right? but like the, yeah the too much with the showing the movie right too much yeah, yeah, yeah. too much secrets are being revealed yeah, too much. yeah. The, the greatest thing that i mean I, I always talk about the blair witch project and like the greatest thing that they ever i mean there was a yeah. blair witch they made a witch uh that they just didn't show um uh but i just think about the the choice to not use it and then that you know that ending scene where where he's in the corner and it's like my god like what's happening in that room and your mind just goes crazy uh you know right. and i think that is sometimes uh, so much more effective than just showing showing the thing because what's in my mind I guarantee you is scarier than what you could possibly build um, so we kind of went that direction yeah. should I tell my my hole in the wall yeah. <laughs> story yeah definitely he, he has this really the way he, he describes this is like it draws you in and then he I told this story to Carlos I think I told this the night we met and I think this maybe uh, solidified the friendship <laughs> but so I saw I, I talk about uh, I talk about this short film that I that I saw once uh, a lot and it was about a hole in the wall and I think uh, my god like what a what a simple what a simple little story what a great idea for a short so basically there's this hole in a wall in a garage and everybody who looks in the hole uh, yeah. immediately uh, kills themselves, like commits suicide. Okay. And, um, you know, it starts out with like the family and, uh, you know, the various family members look in the hole and they have to, they have to kill themselves. And it's such a dark idea, but like I said, such a simple idea. It's like the, the, you know, the, the, the film lights out or the short, uh, that they made that became right, the feature yeah. lights out. But like, God, how many times have you turned off the lights and thought you saw something and turned the lights back on and it was just the pilot. It's like somebody finally made that movie. <laughs> so it's, uh, it was just so cool to see like, wow, it's just the hole in the wall, but this is such a scary concept. And it, yes, it, it instantly drew me in and it was like, what's in that hole. And, uh, 
it, it, the movie climaxes. It, it's just a short, but it, it, it ends with I think uh, police officers end up coming to the home or something like that and, and investigating because by now there's like a pile of, of bodies of people who've like looked in. The, you know, I found a body. What's going on? There's a hole. I looked in the hole, and now I have to die too. Um, and uh, you know they all kill themselves in various ways. Uh, you know, forgive me if this is too graphic. But then the 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 police end up coming, and I think they at the very very end they look in the hole. And this is the first time, like now you're introducing weapons because the you know the police are armed, and so they pull their guns and they kill themselves, and like that's the movie, and it's like oh my god, I'm literally getting goosebumps just thinking about it. Um, but then they do the worst thing that I think you could possibly do. Do you know what I'm going to say? They destroy it. No, they show you what's in the hole. Oh, I mean, it was like the worst ending i mean it was like i was done just like cut to black like done yeah like and it was like i i will never forget this experience for the rest of my life and then they do the worst thing ever they they, they zoom into the hole <laughs> See, and they show you, you what's in the hole and it's nothing it's nothing it's a bunch of plastic skulls in the hole there's nothing in there and it's like my mind like what are you seeing what you, every every failure you've ever had every missed opportunity what do you see in that hole and you start thinking about every bad choice you've ever made and what if you were confronted with that nope it's plastic skulls <laughs> and my god what a yeah. mistake to yeah. Show it, you know. Yeah. You had me. You had me. So that we talked about this a lot, and it's like maybe oh, let's not no. uh, show too much. Yeah. There was there's a movie when I was a kid in the early '80s, and it, I don't remember the title. I've been searching it for years, but it's in the basement. It's a finished basement. Mm. It's a cement flooring, and it has a perfect cutout circle. And no, they moved in the house. They didn't know why it was there. They throw garbage in, it and they can't hear it land and everything. But the kids, it's big enough where you fall in. And basically, the whole thing is a the finally the father figured out that. I have to go in there to die because I'm a horrible person. He's an abusive, alcoholic father. Mm. And he realized, me gone, family gets better. So he once he realized it himself, goes down there, and he's going to submit himself to the hole. Then you, it, comes, it gets smoky. The hole gets smoky. Oh. You don't, and then you see this very gooey, pussy-looking hand <laughs> assist him to drag him down the hole, right? Yeah. That was it. Mm. And the, the hole closes up, but it was a horror movie, and that was the worst thing. That and you mind says, "What the hell could be?" It? Yeah, right. Oh, so, how scary! Yeah. yeah, and you talk about too much, but that was a movie that still resonates with me a key, uh, as a kid. And you didn't see anything. No, and your mind, your mind uh, wanders. Sure, yeah. yeah. And the words, the horror. Actually, the horror is the father being abusive, an yeah. alcoholic, and ruined the family. But he realized that maybe that's that's destined. That's my destination. That I should go down there. Yeah, I've been I, looking for the movie. I can't find it. It could be just him. It could have just ended him going downstairs, standing next to it, and then it cuts back to the children sleeping. Cuts back. He's not there, and then the hole's gone. And then the hole's there, and then all of a sudden it goes back to the wife. Goes back downstairs. It's gone. Yeah. Done. <laughs> Done. Yeah. No, I'm on. I'm on a mission now. I'm going to try to find this. <laughs> now I will see it. Yeah, you no, know, it I, sounds I, fascinating. I, I'm th- if somebody takes my phone, they can think I'm weird because I've Googled hole in the basement <laughs> film. <laughs> Demons in the basement, holes in the basement. You know, like, what are you doing? Eighties in the hole. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is it a porn film? It, what? Was it a porn film? 
No, I I can't remember. I can't remember. But it, it, it I wouldn't be surprised. It's it's very it's very kind very, of Italian. Yeah, very yeah. much. Yeah, yeah. So you guys have a, a a certain horror movie recently that you really attached to? I mean, obviously there's one that you didn't like, but there's one of this year or of recent that you really just mm. thought it was really impressive. That since the last time we spoke. I'm gonna have to think about that one. That's what okay. I'll, I'll pitch it over to, to Robert. <laughs> it's right. tough. I mean, a lot of the stuff that I like is not is not the, the consensual. Well, yeah. no, it's, it's it's just not the popular stuff. It's not the stuff everybody else is into. It's not the stuff that's making all the money. You know, I didn't I didn't love the uh, the It remake. I was a big fan of the of the TV miniseries. Uh, yeah. You know, when I was a kid, I I, I didn't love. Uh, what they did with that character, I, it, maybe that's just coming from a makeup standpoint. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I hate to speak uh, negative of anybody else's work, but I just think that that was a weird, weird choice to make that clown look like that. I think it's very hard, uh, speaking of, you know, showing too much, I think it's a very hard sell uh, in the, the opening of the remake of It that that kid would go anywhere near that thing. If you if you saw that thing talking to you yeah. in, a, in a gutter, you know, it, and uh, my argument is that, you know, when Tim Curry did it, he at times just looked like a clown. So maybe it was believable Very, that, yes. that a kid might talk to him. And then of course there's a reveal, you know, later where he opens up his mouth and you see the teeth. And of course he is, you know, the demon. But there are times when he just is Tim Curry as, you know, with, with the clown makeup and it, that- Very approachable. Yeah. Yes, whereas this was like an alien looking forehead, a giant, <laughs> and the makeup is beautiful. I just think it's weird that it's always that. There's never a time when it's yeah. toned down. Because in the book he changes. He looks very approachable and kids like him, yes. admire him, and then he looks very- I, I just think that makes makes so much more yeah. sense. And I'm sorry to go off topic, but it's like that that's, no. so that that kind of movie is, is extremely popular and, and, and I, I I get it. Uh, you know, it looks like a million bucks, and uh, you know, I, I can appreciate that. But you gravitate to other stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff out there that that uh, that I don't hear so much talk about. Uh, there's a film. Uh, I think I think you could probably watch it on Netflix right now called the the Black Coat's Daughter, which I think is amazing. Black Coat's oh, yeah. Daughter. The Black Coat's Daughter. Black Coat's Daughter. Is that yeah. With the furnace. Yes. Oh, you, you see, this is why him and I uh, get along. <laughs> uh, really, uh, uh, really. Uh, Kevin Bacon here, six degrees of separation. Oh, what is, is it six degrees of Kevin? Or five, whatever. Six degrees six, of Kevin Bacon. Yep, you're sure, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my mentor, one of my mentors, name is Nick Simon. Yo, what up, Nick? Uh, he's uh, he lives out. In, uh, <laughs> Shout out to Nick. <laughs> he lives out in Los Angeles right now, but he's from Sioux Falls. And I met him down there. Quick story: I met him uh, out there, tried making it ten years ago in, in LA, didn't make it, but he still mentored me either way. Nice. And uh, that's nice. Oh, but, yeah. He is friends with Oz Perkins. Uh, he actually, I think, officiated his wedding. Whoa! So he's, he's, he's good friends with uh, Oz, Oz Perkins, the director, and also son of uh, is it Anthony Perkins from Psycho, the original Psycho? I think yeah, Anthony Perkins. Uh, he had one son, right? Yes. Yeah. Oz. Yep. Yeah. That's crazy. But I I loved that film. Um, there's another film called Raw. Did you see Raw? The French. I think it's a French yep. film. But uh, what an amazing uh, uh, horror film. But uh, just a metaphor for the horrors of of being a, a, a young woman, a freshman in college. Like is that my, the one where she's a vegetarian? Yes. 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 I don't I don't want to give too much away, but my goodness, what a great film that was! If I was doing film ratings of where that came out, that would it would be an honorable mention. I think it was fascinating. Yeah, I really so. Yeah, it's it, I you know I sort of gravitate uh, uh, more towards towards that that yeah. side of things. So I, I would recommend either of those. Uh, you know, around Halloween time, there's a film that I'm really really fond of uh, that people don't talk about a lot called May Lucky McGee's May. 
Has anybody ever seen that? I heard of it. Uh, I would it is just conventional M A Y. M A Y. All right. Um, like oh, the month, but like oh, like I I know like the I woman's name. I yeah, I think uh, <laughs> if you wanna if you wanna have a real treat yes, this Halloween, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, do yourself a it's favor easy. and hunt down the Lucky <laughs> McGee's May, uh, starring the incredible uh, Angela Bettis. If you don't watch May and, and and fall in love with Angela Bettis, like I, I don't know what's wrong. Then you can't be friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but there's there's some recommendations from me. Okay, all right, uh, Carlos. Did you think of any other recent ones that you're really impressed with? Yeah, at the top of my head, there's one. And the funny thing is, is like, like I said, I'm all for you know. Uh, I obviously, from our movie they returned, we had an all female cast because I wanted, I mean, crew. Yeah. Uh, because obviously, uh, I want to give opportunities to, you know, as like women could do as good as men. Like I said, you've seen me from my last podcast. Like, I've, it was very foreign to me when growing up with strong women that, like, when I grew up and I got into the real world, it's like, uh, women aren't treated equally as men up here. It's like, this, that really, like, infuriated me because obviously my mom and, my sisters yeah. were like, like they basically raised me, and I was like, and I know my mom; she didn't take any no crap. So I was, I was like, and that's why I like, gravitated to movies like Alien, Aliens, and like the screen movies like The Final Girls because it's like, I, I, it's like who cares about the guys? It's like I want to know the girls because they have like the better arcs. They, uh, they were stronger characters. Cause, well, um, Aliens all about yeah, exactly. feminism and mm. motherhood, and, and exactly. you know the computer's called mother. Like, the n- thing running yeah. the ship is called mother. Yeah. And I was like, man, I want Ripley. Is like that. That's my mom. It's like she'd kick ass. She'd go. She'd go down there and freaking kill the freaking queen to come get me. Mm. Yeah. Like I knew that. And uh, for me, uh, uh, that that was very important for me to get an all female crew. And yeah. f- for the movies that I've seen uh, recently, like uh, Isolopus is uh, Tigers Are Not Afraid from Mexico, mm. and there's another one called Revenge. I forgot her name. She's it's a French name. I don't With the one that came out last year when. Uh, it, yeah, and it's think, in the desert. Yeah, yes. it's on, yes. on Shutter right now. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all these female directors making like I think Raw was also by a female director. I think. Don't call me on that, but yeah, it's like all these female directors coming out and making these great movies or The Invitation uh, that I saw. I, 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 cut oh, I loved The yeah, Invitation. That was a great movie, yeah. right? My goodness, yes. And a lot of the, and, and and I'm not uh, poo pooing on uh, uh, Stephen King because I, I I think a lot of the that's the weird thing is everybody talks about it but there's um. Um, there's I, there's at least three Netflix original Stephen King movies out right yeah, now. Yeah. Gerald uh, Game was Gerald's cool. Game is amazing. The yeah. practical makeup. I don't want to give too much away, but oh my goodness, there's a moment in that movie that I had to look away. I couldn't <laughs> watch it, and I know how it's done. Um, but um, yeah, and the, what the one with Thomas Jane, 1922, that also was Stephen mm-hmm. King adaptation. Uh, yeah. uh, so uh, you know, and he I, has three movies this year. He has the Pet Cemetery new. Version. The remake, sure. Um, it chapter two, yeah, and then Doctor Sleep is coming. That's the one I'm waiting. Are you guys excited for yeah. Doctor yeah. Sleep? I am too. But what a weird, what a weird thing that is, uh, Doctor Sleep. Because I only say that because Stephen King notoriously hates. Uh, sequels well no he yeah. hates The Shining he uh, hates uh, Kubrick's Kubrick, he yeah. hates Kubrick's The Shining yeah. uh, doesn't well I think this it. sequel doesn't have anything to do with the film it's more like a but sequel it, but to it the does. movie they, they've yeah. copied oh, they've yeah. copied scenes from Kubrick well, like, I know the scenes from shot. the movies yeah and he's total. and so that I, I don't know all the details but I, it's just a weird thing for me to see uh, Stephen King back this sequel mm-hmm. where this sequel Pull so heavily from yep. Kubrick's vision, it's like, wait, but you hate that. Like, I don't understand. Exactly. This is fascinating because Ready Player One 
had a little bit of sampling of The Shining. Yes, into it. yes. It's Kubrick's The, whole, the Shining, re- yes. Almost reenacted to a T. And of course, for Dr. Sleep, they could do the same thing and reenact The Shining. So there's two movies out there reenact um, Kubrick's The Shining. Yeah, which I, I think yeah. is arguably the greatest adaptation of any Stephen King work. I understand uh, Stephen King's objections to it, but I, I, I still think it's an f- amazing film. Well, when I, I was a kid, that what really etched in my brain is, I, and as a kid, I saw The Exorcist, so I thought it was funny, you know, the girls vomiting pea soup, and I got mm-hmm. to watch when I'm sick. I, But when he, the whole, you know, the big wheel, carelessly running, and you hear the rhythm, ground and the carpet ground sure. and the carpet so you and it's building up the ground and the carpet mm-hmm. and then he does that turn and the girls are standing still mm. not moving i i ran out of the room as a four year old because you had a big wheel and you did you relate to that or well, i related to that something not moving standing in your way from that distance is already mm-hmm. a threat mm-hmm. no matter how harmless it looks even as two girls something of that posture not moving still and smiling, knowing that we're in your way. I knew that was horrific, and it had nothing to do with the violence. They, they cut the violence, even mm-hmm. the blood. I didn't have to see that. Um, yeah. Quick, quick tip, but I saw like a like a mini doc on some of the, not the not uh, Kubrick's daughter's one, but like another one from like the internet. Yeah. And do you know how long it took to strip on that movie? No. Months. Months. A little bit more than that. <laughs> I heard it was between fifty to fifty-one weeks yeah. straight. Wow! And the, and you know, Sam Kubrick, he did a bunch of takes. Like right. He would do fifty takes, thirty takes. Like he drove some of the cast and crew up the wall. I mean, he was oh just my like goodness. a perfectionist. Yeah. And they also did one of the thing, the no-nos in, in productions of film. They shot sequentially. So basically, if it wasn't snowing, they had to make it snow, or they had to wait for it to snow. <laughs> mm. So it's a, it's all the scenes of him yep. typing. Mm-hmm. They didn't like do montage. Okay, we're gonna film this today. Of him, shot it all. God, he, God. <laughs> oh, one weeks. I love right. that. Love that film. But it's interesting though that you reacted that way to that uh, that particular scene. I lo- I love hearing things like that. It's you know what what uh, what gets to you and 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 why. I remember seeing Poltergeist for the first time and um, being absolutely terrified. Um, and not for the reasons people think. It was because, uh, I mean, of course, the the clown under the bed is terrifying, but that boy's bedroom looked just like mine, like just like mine. Like he had Star Wars toys like I did. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'd never seen that in a movie before. It was too close. You know what I mean? It was yes. like, oh, that could happen to me because his room looks just like my mm-hmm. room. So I, yeah, uh, Probably The Shining, I mean, me having a big wheel. Yeah, that's what I mean. I love, I love that connection. And uh, had him bib pants and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but and, like, and I grew King, up in a hotel, so there's that. Well, Stephen <laughs> King said he used to do it as a kid. He would put wet toilet paper on his face in front of, and the family like act like he's tearing it off. Really, and they put that in the movie. That's pathetic of him oh, tearing. Yeah. But that was his obsession of always doing that for his oh, friends. Oh, and in Poltergeist, the, yeah, the famous the Polter- bathroom scene. Oh, oh the my famous goodness! Bathroom. So yeah, as a kid, he always did that too. Somebody told him if you put wet paper toilet paper in your face, it looks like you're tearing it off. <laughs> and he always do that, frightened his whole family members and they put that in the movie as an homage to him too yeah yeah so, so I noticed with uh, a quick little tidbit with Spielberg he like I said I saw a couple of, like uh, what is it Raiders of the Lost Ark and all that and Jaws 
Spielberg does. He's remembered to do all these family friendly movies like like E.T. and stuff like that. But he has a dark streak in his movies. They mm. always have darkness in them. And I know. Like, Greatest Don't, Lost uh, ending and stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> blowing up. Explodes yeah. and stuff. I, I know we love that. Yeah. <laughs> don't get me started on Jaws. <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't. I I have a very unpopular opinion about Jaws. I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't care for that film very much. Well, people, I don't. People regard it as. It's a summer blockbuster that has horror. Sure, it's not I, a, I just it, don't yeah. like that it's constantly referred to as the scariest yeah, film of all time. It's on the AFI list. It's the number one horror film. It was of all a good, time, but I think it was a well played trick of a summer blockbuster. Yes. Get the young people in there and then scare the pants off of them. Yep. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I just, I to me, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a nature show. You know, it's it's, it's <laughs> natural tree. I just to me to me a nightmare. We talked you talked about Nightmare on Elm Street earlier, Carlos, and how what an impact that had. that had a huge impact on me. And why is that so scary? Because you have to go to sleep. Yep. You have to go to sleep, and eventually right. he's going to get you. And Jaws, even as a kid, it was like get out of the water. <laughs> right, yeah, just done. get out of the. You right. nobody has. And what's the argument? Well, I gotta. Yeah, I, I gotta, gotta I, go. I, I gotta no, go. you don't. <laughs> right. No, you don't. And the one, sometimes people love to argue with that uh, about me. Well, they had to go because, you know, the town was going to go bankrupt. Oh, so this is about real estate now? <laughs> this is a horror film about real estate. Is that why I'm supposed to My care? My beachfront property sales going down. <laughs> Get the National Guard or get the U.S. Navy SEALs. So I know that it's a very unpopular opinion, but Jaws just doesn't do it for me because, man, just get out of the water and it'll <laughs> and be over. And everybody talks about the, the ending. When he, when the ending of the movie, and I think Spielberg is a little touch of magic, but when the head gets shot off mm. and the, the sharks drop, and you hear him like it's a ghostly whale. Mm-hmm. And that's intentional. Because you knew he had to put something in there because it wasn't, mm-hmm. but he put something like a ghostly look that's going to haunt you forever some kind of thing. I think that's a magical little taste of, because people don't talk about it, but that ending of you can see it like a, a ghostly little cry out that I, no matter you got me, I'm still going to go after you and I'm going to make sequels. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I, uh, really, in reality, they made sequels just based on a sound effect. Sure. Because he, he dies at the end. Yeah. The shark dies at the end, as my like father always part, says. Then part two, and then part three, and then part four, and then... Who knew sharks could have uh, revenge? A wrench drink in them, right? Knew exactly when these people are going to be in the water at the exact same time. Yeah. Do, you, do you have any recommendations uh, for horror right now? Um, to- this year, I really love uh, Gaspar Noel's Climax. It uh, He's very much a French filmmaker. A lot of his movies, he goes on the basis of not memorable his movies are very unforgettable you will remember forever that you've seen one of his movies oh wow um i i regard it as fame meets scream (laughs) (laughs) it's a movie about dancers who are going to do uh, a performance and in the movie they interview him and you have this all trinkets of horror because of the montage of the interviews there's books of you know uh, for bradbury and all this stuff but Mm. you see the performance which is excellent dance performance it's mighty impressive it's a one take they did it's 15 minutes of dancing that's fabulous but then it turns into scream with it it just becomes a bloody massacre oh wow it's a nice convergence of two genres together if you love dancing modern dance you get it if you want to get your whore you get it at the end and he did a lot of long takes, a lot of improvisations. There's and not that's a lot available of now? That's out right now? Climax? Yes, it's out right now. Yeah. Oh, wow. 
I really was fascinated with it. Yeah, French films, uh, I don't know. Sometimes they don't make sense, but it, uh, it doesn't bother me the way it does in American cinema. There's a film called High Tension that I'm very, oh, very yes. fond of. Yeah, yeah. Alexander Aja, we just talked about. Of course, yeah. of course. And usually when I first meet people and they tell me uh, that they're into horror, that's my first question. It's like, what did you think of High Tension? And if you hated it, then I don't really think we have a lot more to talk about because you're not going to like anything else that I'm into. Well, I recommend people not do the English dub version of it because it yeah, takes I, away yeah. from it. Mm-hmm. It almost looks hokey. I think you, the authentic subtitle movie, mm-hmm. it really plays really well. But they, with the English, English dubbed it, I don't know who they got, and it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. The version that was released here in theaters, sure. Yeah. yeah. I went to, uh, I remember I was in college and I took my girlfriend and one of my best buddies. He's also a director now out in LA. And we went to go watch that, and we, me and him loved it. She hated it. <laughs> we were like, we had to buy this movie, and it's on DVD, and we did, and then we watched the making of and all the stuff, and it was like, oh, my God, this is an awesome freaking movie. It was like, hey, that, that movie was, in terms of, like, the effects and everything, the plot, how simple it was, and I was all in one night. I thought it was So like effective. I, I, I think it's genius. Yeah. I really do. I, like you, I, I literally popped into my head when you were talking about the film Climax when you said you will never forget, you know, uh, seeing this right, movie, yeah. yeah, and it was like I, I've never forgotten the first yeah, time yeah. I ever saw High Tension. Yeah, so uh, especially with that ending, it's like oh. no, don't say don't say too much now. <laughs> but uh, endings are, I think, mm, it's yes. right. yeah, it's got a wonderful. You know, this it was going to escalate. Oh yeah, you just from the beginning. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Another yeah. movie I, I can recommend is called Belzebuth. It's uh, it's basically me. It's The Exorcist meets what? How could I say it? It's like The Exorcist meets. Um, a bounty hunter movie, basically, or serial killer bounty hunter movie. Oh, like or, Midnight Run, huh? Yeah, with <laughs> <laughs> all the jokes and that. Um, it basically it's it's about a demon that gets unleashed in Mexico. Um, that is a, it's a demon serial killer, so it possesses people, makes them do mass murders, and it jumps to the next person. Like the kills. We've we've movie, talked about this movie. This yeah. Movie, if you don't have a queasy stomach, it's super realistic. And what's it called again? It's called Belzebuth. It's a Mexican movie. Mm. Okay. But it has English and it. it has Tobin Bell. He plays a uh, excommunicated, oh, excommunicado, yes, Jigsaw. Uh, uh, father from the Vatican who does uh, the exorcisms, and he's on the hunt for this thing. He's been nice. on the hunt for this demon after ten years. It follows this poli- Mexican police officer who encounters it when it kills his child when it was barely born. And it's a brutal scene in the beginning. Let's just say if it's really brutal in the beginning. If you can get past that, you can get through it. But okay. yeah, it's, it's, I, I totally recommend it. But it's, It gets far out there, you know, with the CGI and stuff. There's stuff, obviously, I would have done different. But, you know, it's whatever creative team they wanted to do their vision, they did their thing. But uh, I totally recommend it uh, in terms of if you really want to see something that really shocks you and you see some uh, really cool stuff in it. Do you, do you kind of believe in a little bit of mysticism? Uh, here or there. Um, when I was younger, I would. Like, I was telling you the stories about the... I, w- I told them about some yeah. of my, uh, my lucid dreaming. Yeah. Where I could uh, lucid dream, like, still to this day, I can, when I figure out that I'm dreaming, I can, you know, make stuff up, whatever. Kind of like the dream wars. I, I was attracted to, like, the Nightmare on Elm Street. That's what yeah. uh, you guys told me, uh, you know, Poltergeist and... Uh, frightened you and the shining puppy. Yeah, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street haunted me because I, I could lose a dream, and then I, mm. and uh, I'll give the Cliff Notes version. I used to have like a recurring dream where this uh, guy, the shadow guy, would come after me when I when I was lucid dreaming. I was like creating stuff like Inception type stuff, but then all of a sudden everything would stop, and this guy would show up, and he would come after me, and then 
he would like grab my leg and I would wake up and I could feel like he grabbed my leg. But obviously that's just like sleep paralysis and stuff like that. So in me, it's just like, it's, I'm open to it, but I'm still like more. But that was a big, that was a big uh, scientific stuff. Influence on they return, right? I mean, we talked about this in the the very, when we first started uh, talking about the project, that was a, those dreams were a huge influence. I think we could talk a little bit about the plot of they return because it, it doors a little bit with sleeping. Yes. It involves sleeping, yeah. Um, it basically means uh, when I came up with this story, I, I go back to, you know, a couple of, like a, a lot of these movies that we make are influenced with some of the stuff that I'm fascinated with or came up with in my background. Yeah. Uh, especially with this, they return. It's like, do you re- can you really trust your memories when you're a child? Like, you know, ages from when you can start remembering, maybe four at the earliest and all the way up until your teen years. Can you actually, like, really think that some of the stuff that happened happened? Like, let's say you saw something like a ghost or whatever. Is it well, I remember I'll, I'll yeah. do a lot of times to get corrected because yeah. I was like, you remember when we did this? Exactly. That wasn't me. I wasn't there. What? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. And it's like, can we trust our memories with that? And my whole story goes back to this where I had a, a dream where I woke up at night and I used to bunk with my older brother. And I would, uh, I got up in the middle of the night, walked around the kitchen and I looked over into the, the corner where the doorway would lead to the basement and I saw yeah. a face there in the middle of the night and it, it looked at me and it smiled I couldn't it's kind of hard to describe what it was but it's like it's super freaky that's all I could tell you <laughs> okay. and then I slowly backed away because I didn't want to like startle myself so I slowly walked back and climbed back and the, locked the door and climbed back and fell asleep and this basic movie follows that trend where uh, it, it follows it's a family tragedy happens with uh, a daughter um, she basically starts out with her uh, and her fiance. She wakes up from a nightmare. Uh, she starts recounting to him. Okay, you guys know she tells him about her background, but you know, him being his loving fiance, he's not going to press too much that she had a traumatic childhood. She didn't tell him the whole truth, but whatever. She starts telling him the whole truth. Like, yeah, I was raised by my grandfather, uh, but I didn't tell you why. Yeah, you know, yeah. I told you my mom ran out on us, but that's technically not true. And she basically tells him about the time the the how uh, how why she was raised by her grandfather. And she yeah. tells the story of how um, after her father died in an accident, her mom fell apart and started getting into the occult, trying to see if she could bring back her father. And then Grandpa comes to help and raise her as her mom delves deeper into this darkness and. Uh, one day she wakes up in the middle of the night and goes downstairs to see her mom talking um, in the cellar, uh, talking to the cellar door that's locked and padlocked and she opens it up and surprise, um, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> okay. I was going to say, uh, it, it's basically, just, uh, I always pose a question before anybody that I uh, would pitch this to is basically, if you have a significant other, you know, or, you know, a mom, a father, somebody you're super close with, a child, you know, a kid, if, let's say in this world, uh, it's true, like we're living in like magic's true, whatever, yeah, or, uh, or the divine, if you could bring somebody back after they're gone, would you do it? 99.9% people would say yes. And yeah. that's my, the question I pose is like, would you do anything to bring somebody back? Mm. Yeah, that was one of the first questions you asked me about mm. about this project too. I think that when we first met, I think that might have been one of the first things you ever said to me, um, and that had a and that had a big impact. It's interesting that Nightmare on Elm Street had such a big impact on the both of us. That might be why part of why we connected yeah. uh, as much as we did too, because I, I can't you know 
an American World for London aside, when I was so young, when I got older and understood what I was watching, I, I did I did see that at a very young age, and it you know it it, it changed everything. Wes Wes Craven, I, I think, changed things uh, about as much as anyone can hope to um, over and over again. And I I know that there are some movies you know in between that that aren't as popular, but my goodness, with uh, you know Last House on the Left and Hills Have Eyes, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, and then many years later, Scream. And I, I really thought that uh, you know he would do it again, just give it enough time, like he'll come out with something else that'll change everything and everyone. And I just uh, it's so sad to think that he's not here uh, anymore. Yeah. But uh, another uh, uh, six degrees Kevin Bacon, Nick Simon's mentor, and movie that was his last movie produced. Wes Craven's last movie produced was from Nick Simon. Oh, really? Uh, Wes Craven presents. Um, what's it called? Uh, the girl in the photographs it was on netflix for a while you can find it somewhere else but mm-hmm. yeah he was uh when he was in the wga he was uh nick simon was that was his mentor was uh, Wes craven was, i i don't think i would have uh become a, a an effects guy if not for nightmare on elm street uh you know i i was i was terrified of that film uh my sisters <laughs> god bless them they're much older than me uh you know i snuck out of my room and, and they were watching a nightmare on elm street the uh, you know part one and i sat and watched with them and uh God, it, it 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 just scared me so much. Well, you know, in the, I believe the movie, the whole tone is the adults fail it for the kids. Mm. All the adults fail mm-hmm. in the movie to the point that even the the ultimate bad guy is an adult. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's why the kids are. And then nobody's listening to the kids if they just listen. Eventually, it gets solved, but nobody's paying attention to the kids. I think that's the resonating thing of Nightmare on sure. Elm Street: is kids are screaming for help, and adults are, don't do anything for them. That's so interesting, and yeah. I mean, everything about it—the score—I I just couldn't get it out of my head. My parents had no sympathy <laughs> because it was my fault for sneaking out. So they said, "You're, you know, you're you're gonna figure this out, and you're not gonna sleep with the lights on, and you're not sleeping with us, and this is all on you." <laughs> and so the only way to figure it out was to study it and learn as much as I could about it, and, and maybe it wasn't so scary anymore. Um, you know, yeah. that that guy isn't Freddy Krueger. His name is Robert, and my name is Robert, and that's not so scary. You know, that sort of thing. And, you know, the, the, right, the, you, the, yeah, yeah, you know, the makeup application and that sort of thing. So that was really, that's really how I got uh, uh, my start. So it's just so interesting to meet somebody uh, like Carlos who, who had such a, you know, that movie had such a big impact on him as well. I remember as a kid, I finally got a small little portable TV that you could put, you know, it's like a, Two, three inches by three inches sure. enough so when you were in bed you can actually put it on your stomach was and it watch black it. and white yeah, yeah. and I was like oh, do I really want to do this <laughs> <laughs> you can watch TV on your bed now I've seen the consequences of this so. <laughs> <laughs> oh Johnny Depp poor Johnny yeah. Depp but that's what horror movies do if a really good one it stays with you even when you're an adult and you have something like I've seen this before right absolutely yeah, there's some kind it always stays with you a little bit of resonance yeah but i couldn't have lucked out more you know coming here like i'm a visitor i'm not from around here uh but uh getting hooked up with uh anthony and then ryan and then and then meeting carlos uh in ryan's shop that night and he put together you know this team that uh, i just i just can't say enough good things about um you know ellie drews uh who was your dp on the project yeah just an amazing amazing person that i that i hope to work with again very soon um but uh you had uh zeke and um Christoph as the yep. producers, incredible. Um, everybody, everybody on that set was just <laughs> phenomenal. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I couldn't have uh, lucked out more, I don't think. Did you, have, Robert, did you have an opportunity to talk to 
Ellie and the gaffing about with special effects communicated before the movie and everything. Sure, we we did a little bit of pre production with Ellie, um, um, and then we, we scouted the location uh, together. So I got to know her really well. Um, she actually uh, uh, just finished up working with the Twin Cities Film Festival. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, because I, I really have you to thank for this, <laughs> Carlos. Did I tell you this? Yeah. Like I got to meet uh, I got to meet Talia Shire at the. Uh, at the uh, Twin Cities Film Fest. Yeah, she was there. She, yes. was, oh, she was there opening night. So I wear this necklace uh, wherever I go and people who know me really well. You legitimately do have this necklace. I have this, I, I wear I this. I know we're not gonna have a camera on you, but. And yeah. it's, uh, it's, um, it's it's a boxing glove from it, it, you know similar to the one uh, Sylvester Stallone wears in Rocky. Yeah. He wears the the boxing glove necklace uh, that Mickey gives him. Um, so uh, people who know me really well, uh, you know, know that I wear this. It's just a reminder to keep fighting. You know, you're going to get knocked down in life, and you, you know, I, Rocky happens to be my all time uh, favorite film. So, so he had to go a lot a lot of hell mm-hmm. just to say he loved her. <laughs> <laughs> and that movie means so much to me. And people are like, oh, you just yeah. like watching dudes get punched in the face. No, 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 you're not paying. Attention. He just happens to be a boxer, but it's a love story, and it's a beautiful love story. Yeah, the whole. If he was screaming, "I'm the champion!" at the end, it wouldn't work. Sure. He, at the end, he's looking for her. He doesn't. That's the whole point of it. Exactly. And people don't realize he he loses that fight. He lost the he, in part one. It that the, the people get confused that the you know the Yo Adrian uh, speech like that's part two. Yes, part two when he wins. Part one he loses. He he goes the distance, which is all he really wanted. But it is a love story, and he does just look for his wife at the end because that's all that matters. Um, but so it was just uh, I've been lucky enough to meet uh, to meet Polly uh, uh, Burt Young um, in you my life. I didn't, I mean, and you got to meet her. And I do want to just interject here. No, no, go I, ahead. The most touching part of it, it was not even the script of him at the hockey rink, her and him at the hockey rink, because they were looking for, they had a location of a dinner scene, and it fell through. They couldn't find anywhere else to go on a date, and suddenly this hockey rink was open, and they're just cleaning the ice. They go, can we just shoot this here? And it's very touching, and it fits very well. The guy couldn't afford to go on a date. And one of my favorite yeah. scenes in, in all of film, yeah. that, that hockey rink uh, date, and you know I'm a bum, and I don't think you're a bum. I'm at least half a bum. Like, oh my <laughs> goodness, oh my goodness. But yeah, so because because Carlos introduced me to Ellie, she uh, and and her and I, you know, have hit it off, and and I hope to work with her uh, again on this full moon project that's coming up. Um, she invited me to uh, um, uh, the the Twin Cities Film Fest where Talia Shire was going to be, and I didn't know if I would actually get a chance to meet her, but they were so sweet and put a camera in my hand and gave me a press pass and sort of got me on the red carpet close enough to her and then you know at the last minute they ended up pushing me onto the carpet and everybody was selling you know, you're screaming take out your necklace take out your necklace and uh, I, I very reluctantly did and showed her and she was like oh my god and this whole thing is on video uh, uh, thanks to Ellie Drew so uh, shout out to Ellie Drews for that and thank you Carlos for that introduction so I did get to meet her and it was that's nice I like that yeah probably one of the greatest moments of my life and I feel like Rocky saying that because that's the speech that Rocky yeah. too, like except for my kid being born. This is the greatest moment of my life. <laughs> Yo, Adrian, we did it. That's that's what I felt like saying. But oh yeah, the the whole thing is caught on camera, and I I made the highlight reel of day one of the Twin Cities Film Fest, and uh, they're gonna send me all that footage. And there's wonderful. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> you people have seen the people have watched the footage, so they've never seen me smile so big. So I think that that's right. I'm glad that you it was a boxing glove and, and not like the, something from The Godfather or something. <laughs> <laughs> <Especially> like, <laughs> it could have been a cannoli. Cannoli, right? yeah. Sign, <laughs> sign my cannoli, right. <laughs>
<laughs> do you, I mean, as an obsessed, I have a, a movie I do obsess about. Is there a movie that you, you talk about Rocky and all that stuff. Is there a movie that you really attach to? Cause you, is that the one or is there other ones that you really just. I love really? Rocky. I mean, if we're going to do top three, I would say Rocky, um, and American Moral for London would probably be number two. And number three. Harry Met Sally. Yeah. You got it. No. Robocop. Yep. I love that. Yeah. I love, love, yes. love Robocop. Yeah. Peter Weller. That's there's a lot of deep themes in that movie oh, for absolutely. a summer blockbuster. Yeah. I often think the title is is terrible. Like I often yes. think because you say that and people who don't know it think that it's yeah. a silly right. summer summer blockbuster. Sci-fi nonsense. And it's yeah. like, oh my God, it's so much more. So much more. People forget that it was. It's a satire. That's the the meme, RoboCop. That's basically what a corporation would call something. That's a, like that's a product. right. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the whole thing. And I think Paul Verhoeven, he remembers getting the script. He liked it, but then uh, he's like, ah, this this, this like this, this script just looks like crap. I don't think he read the script at the beginning. He threw it in the trash, and then his wife says like she grabbed it and she read. It. She's like, you got to read the script. It's like it's. The, the title's horrible, but you gotta read the script. Is this true? That's really how it and happened? Then, and then he read wow. it and he's like, oh my God, this is great. And so see, I think that happens with that movie because you mm-hmm. tell people Robocop and they're like, really? really? But it's like, have you seen it? it? Have you seen it though? And then the title makes sense. But yeah. Uh, yeah, what an amazing, amazing movie. My my new goal in life, uh, and I remember once upon a time when all I ever wanted to do was see my name in the credits one time. And ever since I was a little boy, again, uh, you know, bringing it back to my parents, I used to make them stay in the theater uh, to the very, very end until the credits were done. And this is long before the days of, you know, the, the post-credit scene. The little teaser to make right. it. Yeah, yeah. I remember one time it actually happened on a... Uh, um, uh, Masters of the Universe, the He-Man, Dolph Lundgren oh, picture, yeah. and Skeletor did come <laughs> yeah. at the end, and it was like, what is this? They can put stuff at the end of the credits? That blew my mind. <laughs> but that that was that was a very rare thing back then. But I always used to make them stay, and it was like, can we please go, Bobby? Can we go? And it was like, you know, someday, as a little boy, I would tell them, like, someday my name will be up there, and I just want to stay and, and, and watch, you know, out of respect. Nice. So, um yeah, I don't really know where I was going with this. I'm getting so sentimental tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it, the top three are a wonderful array of a lot of movies that people, I think, initially discarded. But now, I think if people forget RoboCop got trashed at critics hated it oh absolutely but that's what I was gonna say my new yeah. goal in life and, and, and like once upon a time it was just to see my names in the credits one time and now that and then happens and, and, and it's, it's an amazing thing but you sort of have to readjust and like what's what's the goal now so my goal now yeah. is to work with anyone who worked on Robocop and I really want to work with Ray Wise do you know Ray Wise from uh, Twin Peaks fame he was one of Clarence Bodiger's gang Yes, it also also Twin the Peaks. yes Twin Peaks the lead. I see his face. I probably. Oh, it's very unforgettable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you see him, but, like, oh, it's that guy. Just yeah. uh, you know, a horror movie staple, a wonderful, wonderful actor. I I do yeah. know I have some friends that have worked with him and just have the most wonderful things to say. But I know people want to pick his brain about Twin Peaks. I just want to ask about Robo Robocop. Cop. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna hate me, but it's like it was, every time at craft service at lunch, I'm gonna be like, okay, so Robocop. <laughs> so that's the new goal. That's the new. That's the new goal in life. Um, with a uh, October coming up, um, what's what's um plan? What's the future for they return? Uh, I think uh, we're gonna take our time with it. If, like I said, we're gonna get it to a good place, and then if, like I said, we got time and a little bit more cash, then we can maybe do 
if if we feel like it need to we could do reshoots if we need anything or inserts or whatever yeah but we're gonna take our time and get it right and then i want to really get it out there um you know uh my agent uh, christoph who also was a producer and then zeke the other producer uh we have some contacts at uh some pretty big places i can't really say the names right now but to get in there so they could you know what you know some possible agents so you have a destination for this and yes. it, it's and festival routes too yeah we're not just worried about getting it done we have some places where it can yes. go so yeah so, so so we can take our time with i mean yeah take a good couple months just to get this thing right i mean already with josh who was also a uh, um a guest yeah josh he's Sister. actually editing it and oh, Josh Stifter is. Oh no, uh, uh, Josh. Dur Mer oh, Mertz. Yes, yes. He is amazing, and uh, like, is it me and him on the same wavelength? Wavelength, and he basically showed us the the first cut, and I was like, man, it's like sixty five percent done. <laughs> Made my life a lot easier. If you know, we had Josh as a previous guest, yes. and he showed me a link of some of his videos he did in high school. They're the funny cop, bad cop movies, right? Mm. But I looked at him. These are massively edited. Mm -hmm. Not only that, you knew you know how I edited comedy, right? I mean, there's a scene where he did go got yes. back up, where that guy gets up, gets up in the morning, comes out of the door, and his package gets hit him in the hand, <laughs> and Josh is like, "Delivery!" And I was like, <laughs> "But that's you knew." I go, "You you knew. you know how to cut that funny?" And you're what a teenager at the time? <laughs> yeah, yeah he's yes. great. If I get it, like he's an amazing editor. I mean, this yeah. guy, and, and also he's also directed, and I've seen some of his short films. Yeah, he like his overall. He's he's an awesome uh, filmmaker as well. So I he's, think all yeah. cre all credit goes to Carlos for putting together this team of people. Like I said, I I couldn't uh, I couldn't be luckier uh, with everybody that I've got a chance to work with. Um, so and and the way that you, that you say that too is that you're going to take your time with it. Like I really appreciate that. And um, he's just so open, uh, Carlos, uh, when you're on set. And I was there. You know, my gag wasn't uh, you know wasn't until the last uh, you know few hours on the last day of shooting, but. Uh, that I that I was responsible for, but I was you know I told him I'll make myself available for anything and nice you know came yeah. to me uh, many many times throughout the film and, and brought me in and said what do you think and it was like wow really okay I'll I'll tell you and then it was like yep we're gonna do that and it was like man this is this is great just such a collaborative uh, uh, project that that Carlos put together and so how long did you from writing to this point how long did it take Carlos uh, we started writing this early in the year I mean well, like let's say April and May because we were supposed to do another one that uh, you did storyboards for uh, yes uh, from within and then when Brian said that's going to cost too much money and he, he doesn't know if he could get the time to do it then I scaled it back to a more intimate movie that I also had was this was They Return and from my conception to now it was like eight nine months okay execution yeah. and that's kind of oh, that's kind of i love the concept from the movie from within i really like that idea yeah, yeah. yeah. hopefully like i said i'm I, I, what i'm going to try to do with that is hopefully get a kickstart for that one because i want to make this one right and bring the same team together that i've used in previous films and uh, another yeah. shout out too that i want to do is uh our, our um assistant director brianna she was freaking amazing she you saw her on in action on um she was also a producer on uh, when my face explodes. Yes, she was. She's amazing. I mean, I, I like if if I get ever, yeah. whenever I have a 
bigger budget to do a, a, either a feature film. I think she's I'm locking her up. <laughs> she's she's amazing. She's a wonderful PA, isn't she? Yes. Yeah. Um, I saw her on set, oh. and she did a wonderful thing because the movie we were working on with Anthony requested a lot of color. So there's a lot of color on set. There's a lot of people on set, but she intentionally wore a wild outfit so you mm-hmm. could find her. <laughs> <laughs> so she made herself very obvious to yeah. find her because everybody, instead of yelling her yeah. name, there's like in round immerse around 40, 50 people with pastel colors. Yeah. She she wore an outrageous color to even stand out this to be. She knows how important it is to be a visible PA. Assistant director. Assistant director. 80. Do do, do your listeners know that you are actually involved in this uh, short film as well, yeah. that you did the storyboards? Yeah, you did the storyboards. Yeah, I, I put on announcements before um, on social media, but yes, I, we, Carlos and I, um, before production started, I did the storyboards for the film. Yeah. And we did the other one from Far Within. From Within, we did storyboards for that yeah, one too. We'll be making that one. Uh, it'll be made, but uh, like you said, it's just, just again, to get the budget right because I don't want to short sight this one. And I well, I would love to see the... Are you looking for an effects guy? Maybe I'll stick around. I want to get the budget to get it right to get you and Ryan on board. Oh, that would be Absolutely. great. And yeah, yeah, Ryan and I are, have talked about teaming up now on on, on future projects uh, if that's what he wants to do. But uh, I just didn't know if you talked about uh, your own involvement. No, it's not. A, it's not a secret at all. It just I you know I don't want to talk about myself and have guests. No, on I, right want you, I, I want you. I want you because I I was I was thoroughly yeah. impressed with your storyboards. I we, this Thanks. is the first time I've ever met you, but it, Carlos showed me those drawings. Uh, Pretty. You can see a lot of the shots came. You saw the, the rough cut. Yes, I did. I saw the rough cut. And a lot of it's like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> exactly. I'm wife, I showed that. my wife if that's fine. I showed yeah, my wife. Oh. She was like, hey, wait a minute. I go, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and the, well, a lot of comic book artists, because I go to conventions, a lot of comic book artists, and I say, I also do storyboards, and it is primarily with Carlos. And they're like, well, what, is there, there hasn't been not, there is a difference. And especially mm-hmm. where comic book artists want to get detail right. And I think for storyboard, it's not detail, it's movement action. Yes. In color, I don't. I don't want to like nail. If you have a care, a female character, I don't want to nail like that. That person. I want a general idea, mm. right? So it's not about the likeness. Not about the likeness. Not about a certain. Unless Carlos has that in mind. Hey, this is the person. I would definitely put it in there. Mm. But I don't. That's not the point of storyboarding. I think is to put the character. And I think you want to put where they're going to be on the angles. In the lighting, that's crucial rather than detail. And then me and you, I remember when you told me, like, when I was a first guest first, you said you wanted to get into storyboards, and then we both uh, saw the, was it the incident at the... Was it oh, Creek? yeah, standoff at Sparrow at Creek, yeah. yeah. And then we both, and I started sending you the storyboards and how the director did the storyboards. I used to do my own storyboards, and I was like, man, that's just stick figures, and he was basically the same thing, it was just guys in general direction. Just yeah. Like, but I was like, you know what, I, I can... If somebody who wants to work on it, like I'm very collaborative, at, like you said, with you said how I am, I'm like, right. I don't care if you guys post, but it's like for me, it's like uh, more the more hands off I am because I, I give everybody who, uh, like I said, I'm like more like I'll like follow you and then I observe how talented you are and then uh, then I'll approach you to, to collaborate. Then yeah. after that, it's 100% on you. I'm not a micromanager. Uh, I'm here to collaborate with you. I trust you 100% until you give me a reason not to. And you guys just, like I said, Thank I th- you. I've always been working in the real world, working my way up from like PA to where I am now as a you know director and a producer. And I've been micromanaged, and I've seen how much that, that, that this negativity. And, I see, and I've seen, the, and I've melded with some of my stuff that I've learned from my mentors is the more creative freedom, you got to hire people, the best people that you can, you can get, and then let them do their thing. And that's how I approach yeah. it. 
Yeah, I well, I, when I went to film school and film history, and we talked about Nicholas Ray, one of the great film directors, Nicholas Ray, who did Rebel Without a Cause and everything, and he always said, I never made a movie. I just simply there to make sure you guys were still on set. He says, I'm Rebel Without a Cause is Nellie Wood and James Dean's movie. They told me what they wanted to do, and I just did it. Mm-hmm. And so for him, a director, he goes, I, he say I direct that movie, but it, I didn't make that movie. I made the sure they made that movie. And that's what, how I feel. Yeah. You make sure they make their movie right. Yeah, it's nice. I think everybody who is who want to do movies, you have to understand, it's not a solo project. It's a collaboration. And people, if you let people shine, they will show you. They'll shine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and that's what I do with my actors. You saw with the actors that I casted. I mean, I did some. Uh, I, all these actors I wanted to work with: uh, Ellie, uh, Noah, uh, Nate. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she used Desiree. I used her in all on my phone because she's like my go-to. And then Craig, and then um, Sasha. I mean, th- it was just a great all-around cast. I mean, I couldn't ask for a better group of actors right now. Mm. And they, like you said, you were on set. And you saw how it, I was. Uh, I would just go and rehearse with them a little bit. Just uh, play off. I see. I always had them rehearse beforehand. Get to know each other. You know, Skype. Obviously, because that's the great thing with modern technology. You can yeah, yeah, yeah. Collaborate a lot easier. Yeah, yeah. And then I just gave him a general guideline. Hey, go and do this, and then he'd show me like, okay, let's just do this. And like I said, you guys are the actors. I'm just here to show you what's your motivation in the sense of. I know yeah. you guys. I trust you guys 100. percent If you guys want to go riff on, do something, add something, tell me, and I'll give you an extra take for it. Nice. Yeah, I think that's. You have to understand that you're giving them the opportunity to work, and they're not working for you. You're giving exactly. them the opportunity to. Make it to and work. Yeah. Other directors, obviously, every like for me, it's like it's like going back to what Robert says. I don't like to dog on other like creatives, and it's like everybody just works different ways, and that's just my way how I work. Other directors, I've seen other directors work some different ways, and, and I like that guy that I made fun of earlier with the Yorona, Michael Chavez. I'm sure he's a great director. I've seen some short films. He's great short films, but it's the studio meddling, and I'm sure yeah. they mandated, mm. hey, you got to put so many scares in here, and he's just got he's a freshly new guy. And here you go. But there yeah. are times you walk on set, and it's a very hostile environment. Mm. And I think that sometimes does start with the director, and it sort of trickles down to everybody else. And yeah. and and Carlos's uh, set is 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 nothing like that. I couldn't have. Uh, uh, had a better time and, and those actors I was just blown away um, when I first stepped on your set and, and, and saw what you guys were doing um, so I'm, I'm very grateful and, and very thankful and if we could do one more uh, one Harry Met Sally moment do you remember the last thing we talked about the first thing you said <laughs> remember the last thing you said to me do, do you remember what that was I don't know if you know remember I'll never forget this so when the when the movie wrapped uh, Carlos came right. over to me and he said I don't I don't, I don't ever want to do this again without you buddy that's what yeah. that's, that's yeah. what he nice. said and I yeah I feel I like, the same way I feel right. the same way well Robert and Carlos we actually did a podcast without a break we got through the whole thing without a break. That's it? That's the whole thing? This is the hit. This is the hit. Except for my blooper back there. That I just like, I had brain parted. That's what nice thing about podcasts is they expect the, the airs. They don't, I think a good podcast is too, sometimes they get too polished and too worried. Yeah. And I don't, what? You didn't, yeah. yeah, what the heck. Yeah, this Show. one could have been live. It was great. Yeah. So, um, uh, Robert and Carlos. Uh, we're going to end today, as always, with it's not over to the guests say it's over. It's over. Oh, I don't want it to be over, (laughs) but it's over. (laughs) 